it is We Talk Games Arcade Weekly. I am Wiggly. We Talk Games Arcade Weekly is the weekly arcade review show where sometimes we might release a show on one of the days of a week. We have another return of an industry co-host, San Jose! Go! Excuse me, hi. Hi, it's Ray Barnholt. Uh, you know me as a game developer, also part of the Retronauts podcast, and I made the game Blast Rush. Hello. Hi. What would you describe Blast Rush as? It's an infinite bomb shoot 'em up which means uh, you get infinite bombs, basically. You know, it's for everyone who got caught too much in a game, in a shoot 'em up and wanted more bombs, that's for you. You got a lot of bombs. You got a lot of blasts. You got a lot of rush. You can use the term interchangeably, blaster bomb, but, you know, blast is the more family-friendly one. I don't <laughs> want to cause an incident by saying bombs too much, you know. I will tell you this. This is probably something you don't realize, Ray, but you are only the second game... And we never mention what the first game is. You're mm-hmm. the only second game that is actually one button wee wee action. Oh right. I had it. I just that is true. I, it is. Uh, that's why you get the. So honk honk. Today I picked the game, and it is a game that you might not want to Google. It is called Zex Zex. Zexx, which is spelled X-E-X-E-X. Yeah, you can Google it if you spell it correctly, yeah. But for some reason, (laughs) uh, this is the game by Konami. This is not the Russian soft porn where cows look at you in a weird way. Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, For some reason, uh, all those X's, even though they're not connected, they still like to be next to one another, I guess. Uh, It's hard to say. But I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to charge the enemy. Now, we'll only charge the enemy if you played the JAA version. What happened was, I first played this in Japan. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I remember everything about this game. So I had to go to Europe. And when I went to Europe, I played the EAA version of the game. And I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. Something's different. And then I had to drive back to Japan from Europe. Then I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. Now at the bottom here, I'm able to do this one thing. I wonder if I could do that on the European version. So then I drove back to Europe from Japan and then I got tired. Too much gas. Yeah. Or not <laughs> enough as it, as it were. That's what happened. We're talking about the Konami game from 1991 called... Zexx, or as it's said on the game itself, let's see if I could do this. Zexx. That's pretty good, I think. <laughs> yeah. I haven't hit that button in a long time. That's righteous. Indeed. So this is a big Irem ripoff. If you've looked at this title, you will immediately see. Uh-huh. That's sort of why I wanted to play it. Because first of all, it was a Konami, a shooter, and an Irem ripoff. But then became a lot more bizarre, and especially when I first played it in Japan. In Japan, I played the cocktail table. Now, this is a two-player simultaneous game, but because I played it on the cocktail table, it was alternating one player. So you each had your view of the screen when it was your two-player time to go, and you will go. This is, of course, like our type the most. You will notice that immediately. Because instead of your force bubble on the front, you have a thing called the 
uh, nib. <laughs> Wait, what's <laughs> sure? What does he call it? Your ship is called the Flintlock, and your little force bubble that would be on the front of your R-type ship is called the Flint, which is a very, very. Uh, though they should have called it Flint Nib. They should have called it Flint Nib. I'm pretty positive that's what they meant to do, but they didn't have the proper words. Right, of course. So now this has, limits. You never know. This has a, a span of 15 meters, a length of an overall length of 25.5 meters, a length of the executive probe, nine meters, and the height of 15 meters as well. So it's a pretty boxy little number, the flintlock. And it weighs around 13,500 pounds or 6,200 kilograms, depending on where you live. The spaceship carries a biological force known as flint. The entire ship looks very biological. It's got sort of like tails. It looks like a fish. The other thing that interested me about this title, not only that, was that when I started up, I thought I was playing Phileos. But this is a space shooter, but there's a damsel in distress. Queen Faruka. Wait, what was her name? Feline? Princess Caroline? Eileen? Eileen. Eileen? Caroline. Yeah, something like that. Anyway... In, a, I was, in Japanese, I didn't know what she was saying. So I didn't know what her name was. But in Japan, they give you a little setup of how the professor designed the flintlock, which was uh, very nice, except that, of course, it was in Japanese, so I have no idea what they were saying. Now, usually I don't care about bringing up the AAA version, which was the Asian version, the JAA version, which was the Japanese version or the EAA version, which was a European version. However, I do have to bring it up in this because there are significant differences, and I don't know why Konami decided to do this, but they did. That's right. Yes, as I mentioned, it is a side-scrolling shooter, which I didn't mention. It is a (laughs) side-scrolling shooter (laughs) like our type. Yeah, horizontal. Yes, and you have your good old nib that you could blast off at people. Now, the odd thing about this nib is it's very Japanese because it's got the tentacles. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot like the R-Type game X Multiply, which also came out well before this. Uh, X Multiply, I think, came out three years before this. And R-Type was, I don't know, five years? Maybe. Yeah, probably, probably around there. So if you play the Japanese version, I played it more like R-Type. When I played the European and the Asian version, I played it more like X Multiply, meaning that in the Japanese version, I shot my nib off a lot more (laughs) than Mm -hmm. I did in the American version, uh, the European version. I don't even know if this ever came to America. It might have. And I know it definitely. Officially, yeah. Yeah, I, I know it definitely wasn't released on any type of compilation in America either. Which is yeah, that's for sure. Sad. It's odd it, because it's not offensive. It is a bit odd. When I f- played the first level, I was thinking, okay, here you go. This is standard. This is very nice. The music is awesome. Right. Yeah. The sound is great. It's that prime, like early '90s Konami like soundstage with like the FM thumping around. Yeah. Very, very nice. Very impressive. And the first stage is trippy. It's like um, infinite clouds in the distance and yeah. weird colors of greens and blues and a lot of ships coming at you. 
the European version is a lot more bullet helly. Not necessarily that it's bullet hell, but there are bullets coming at you from every which way. And unlike our type where you can shoot off your force nib and stick it on your ass, you can't stick this tentacle nib on anything except your nose. It's only business up front. <laughs> Nothing in the back. So, yeah. uh-oh, baby, I'm doing a podcast. So I'll call you when I'm done, okay? And send you a sticker. Okay, bye. In the Japanese version, I would shoot my nibbler off, and it's kind of weird how your nib works. If you hold down your charge button while your flint nib is on the, your nose, and then you shoot it off, it goes further. If you just shoot your flint nib off without charging, it sort of just hangs around where your ship is. And it also goes and has a little mind of its own and attacks things. And you get power-ups that give it extra tentacles. You start out with just one tentacle on your flint nib, and then you can uh, get a power-up for two, and then three. In the Japanese version, you get the power-up for two, three, but you also get different types of weapons, like a ribbon shooter, one that shoots a cool lance, sort of like if you were watching the, what do you call that Star Trek Enterprise? The lightsaber. Sort of like you were watching a lightsaber in the dark, and your eyes left that trail behind. It's a really stupid thing to compare it to. And then there's uh, this thing that runs along the ground, sort of like happens in our type. It's this bolt of electricity, but it doesn't go up and down. It only goes along the ground, which is kind of weird. Then you get this other thing that's like a drill laser. And by the way, maybe they had to change it because our type stands for ray type. I don't (laughs) think that's the reason why, but... (laughs) Maybe they had a change that it doesn't shoot rays. I don't know. I don't know why they did what they did. In a Japanese, what that R stands for. Ray. And not you, Ray. A ray of light. Hey, I'll take it. I'll go with it. (laughs) No, a ray of light. That's what that's what R stands for. Oh, ask me anything because I, you know, I read the instruction booklet and the turbo graphics. (laughs) Knew all the names of all the Insulu and all the different types of uh, creatures in there. Yeah. yeah, in the Bido Empire. Biode, Bidode, Biode, Bidode. The Bido, the Bido Enterprise, yeah. The Bido Enterprise with the Star Treks and the phaser lasers. So you get all this arsenal, basically, in the Japanese version. In the American, in the Euro, in the European, America is the only place that matters, let's face it. In the European version, you only have the shot. Yeah. You can power uh, up your shot. But or, it's still pitiful. It's a little pitiful, yeah, it's a little pitiful. And you just basically keep the button hammer down. Once your nib is on your nose, it, once again, it powers up. And when it releases, it doesn't release like a mega blast. It releases this lightning that doesn't go quite across the screen. And depending on how many tentacles your nib has, that's how wide it can get. So it's kind of an odd charge even. Yeah. You can kind of use it to like chip away at a boss, but uh, for most everything else, not it's not too useful. Yeah, just let your nib float around sometimes, especially when things are shooting at you from behind. To make up for this, you're only a one-hit wonder in the Japanese version, so you don't have a life bar. If you get hit once, you're done. In the Asian version and the European version, you have a life bar. So the Japanese version is more like Gradius in that way. Like you have one life and then you start at the checkpoint, basically. That's true. And that's the thing is that 
like our type, you back up and start at a checkpoint where you can get more power-ups for your weapon. In the American version, you have a life bar, but when you continue, you continue exactly where you were. Exactly where you were. So this is good, but it's not really good for a player like me because I like to go in there a little bit more powered up. So I don't really know which one you would spend more money on. As I played this game more and more and my skills increased, the Japanese version became a lot easier for me to, to play. So those are the major differences. Also, on the American version, you go to different planets. Like the first planet is planet Zovgir. <laughs> Great <laughs> names on these planets, yeah. I think one planet is called Nib. I'm not sure. I don't know how they got these names. Maybe they threw some vowels and consonants in a hat and picked them out. I think that's how it goes when you make sci-fi, you know, just yeah, mash together whatever you can in your head. The Brian Eno method. In the European version, every place that you go to has the name of the planet or the place that you're going to. In the Japanese version, you only get charged the enemy, exclamation point. Yeah. Now, I don't remember what planet Eileen comes from, but uh, she gets slapped around pretty much. <laughs> she's yeah. like, hurry up, get here. And she's getting slapped around by someone from Transor Z, uh, she-male fella which nothing wrong with that yeah. no and, no but there are these cutscenes that are you know with these like anime type characters and it does remind me of fist of the north star with that like you said sort of feminine characters mm-hmm. but uh, you know some uh melodrama that is misplaced i would say but yeah it's kind of that feeling <laughs> get your ship here quickly because my clothes are getting ripped off which there's nothing wrong with that and we are in a shooter that has uh, several different buttons two buttons when there's nothing wrong with that Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I just had to say there's nothing wrong with that after everything. Because most people will say that after they say something that they think something might be wrong with. Anyway, so, by three buttons, so. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go three buttons with this game. So you can charge your weapon, release a big zap. You can charge your weapon and shoot your nib off. And your nib floats around and you can get three tentacles. So basically that's it for what your ship looks like. And you go through different levels now the first level like i said was awesome it was amazing at the end you fight this uh double ship the ship that humps another ship and then gets a big giant gatling machine gun at the bottom uh which is its final form i'm going to give you a pro player tip the first form is very easy to defeat and so is the second form you just got to watch for the brains that come around a lot of brains in this thing that's true yeah it's why they're brainy biomechanical because they got brains in them that's what that means i guess um that's the organic part the biological part is the brain which but for some reason they don't bother to cover up not even with like a windshield yeah. <laughs> they just we just leave their brains floating out in space i'd say to... they're not too brainy <laughs> those no. bad guys no there's a list of uh, alien civilizations that were too stupid to have actually existed yeah advanced alien civilization i don't know there's some type of list about that uh, i never never got to watch it but yeah it's well these guys are at the top of the list <laughs> they are at the top they're right next to uh the intruder the intruder is the enemy of gi joe the intruder was a caveman that flew around in flying saucers back in the 1960s and 70s that's the original Big Joes, not the little three-inch Joes. Mm-hmm. 
the blow blare blip. There's a big X, a big X, which in some countries means no. The big X at the end of the first level where the Gatling gun guy comes together. Now, when he's in his final form and his Gatling gun starts coming up, just park your ship right down at the bottom of that lower left corner of the X. Just park it there and don't do anything. And eventually, the boss just gets tired and he blows up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I found that out by accident I because, like I said, it's two ships humping each other. When I defeated the first ship and went to the bottom, I was just like floating around, didn't realize that the second ship was still alive, and he just blew up. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I, I see, yeah. I just parked my ship down below, and when he was in his final form, he just decided to blow up at the end. He got tired, I guess. My one friend, Jesus, he was really great at fighting games. And he used to say, sometimes you just got to keep playing the game because eventually the computer gets tired, and then you're able to beat that level. Yeah. And I guess he was right. After all these years, I found out he's right. This takes time. What do you think about the first level? Opening, I think it had the best music, I think, of the whole game. But good opening track. Every game needs one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Colorful enough, really sets the mood for what you're going to get, I think, later in the game when it starts to ramp up in, uh, in craziness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's say, yeah. So you go to that sky and then you go under the water, which is cool. I love going under the water in a spaceship. <clears throat> Ackham. But then after the first level, this is where things started getting weird, especially for when saying. I was in Japan. Yeah. And then you're you're fighting uh, balls, the game balls. Bubblegum DNA blobules or something. You are in Kittyville. Now, the biggest oh. difference, I think, between the... European version and the Japanese version is surprisingly not the end credits because that's where they keep this unusual stuff in. But if you let your timer run out on continuing in the Japanese version, all of a sudden you're greeted by your flint nib and he's an octopus with all his arms, but he's a chibi little cute animal that talks. You put your three letters in for your name in this very color book looking type of screen and after you put in your three letters the house opens up and here comes your flint walking up to you and he goes or something that i can't translate and it is adorable i was like what game have i been playing wait a minute this game needs to be reviewed yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's XX, baby. In the European version, you still go through Babyland. But then uh, when you are to continue, you just put your name in on that same screen where it's counting down the numbers. And then it's just the end. There's no cute nothing except when you get to the ending. And when you get to the very end and beat the game, then you get every single character that was in this game that you fought in some type of chibi version running around and playing the ukuleles and some of them are probably the programmers i don't know oh absolutely i think you might have been in there maybe yeah so what else we got about this title yeah well you know i mean those stage designs do get very uh varied i guess i could say Mm. I think my favorite one is like the faux 3D one where it's like a bunch of like pre-rendered sprites, but also like fake 
polygons flying around. Yeah, man. It's sort of like Tron or Lawnmower Man, what they thought the future of computers would be looking like. Yeah. With the so wire it kind of goes all over the place. It's like a sci-fi fantasy. That's how you would describe it on paper, but it just goes in like these weird artistic directions. There's nothing like R-Type or Gradius or anything, I'd say. That's true. And by the way, this princess, she's really demanding a lot because you're going through all these places. How the hell do you get there? <laughs> That's royalty for you. you got- they, they expect a lot from the commoners. You got to go through the sky and then in the water, and then you got to go through toy land where you fight balls, and then 3D land. You face a giant playing card with a talking face on it. Yeah. While you're trying to shoot brains that are on a wall in back of it. That. <laughs> Let, let's explain so that, think, boss. Wiggly, are you saying that at times you were just like, I, I, I this, ain't, this isn't worth it? I never said that. Uh, the first time I played it in Japan, though, I was a little intimidated by it. Yeah. But then when I drove to Europe and played it, I was like, oh, this isn't bad, but I don't remember all these bullets coming at me. Yeah. And so that's why I had to drive back to Japan and play it there. And then I drove to Asia and I was like, oh, this is the same as when I was in Europe. And it's weird because I thought Japan was in Asia and there was no England version because sometimes England is different than the European release. Right. Yeah. How does this work? Yeah. I don't know. And this is what you got from Konami in 1991. What else came out from Konami in 1991? I didn't look it up. I don't know. Uh, I believe Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time, okay. So most people were, of course, playing Zexex at that time. Yeah, I think in this side of the world, you know, God bless America, a lot of Konami stuff was typified by the uh, beat-em-ups. So, you know, all those great beat-em-ups were coming out. You mean Haymakers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, what show are you on? I'm 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 from the West Coast. I'm sorry. We call them haymakers because we like to do things like that, and we never call them schmucks. I get it. I get it. Even though they're schmup timber, don't worry about that. I'm not talking. I don't go on schmup timber because I refuse. Because a schmup is where you're a cowboy and you go bing, 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 shoot him up, shoot him up, schmup. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, this is a shooter. The end. Fair enough. Yeah. What other type of lands do you go through? It starts to blend together for me a lot just because it's like <laughs> the game does get kind of frustrating and it's just like I, I kind of felt like I want to power through it. So some of that stuff just kind of blends together. So, I mean, it is largely kind of biological, like we mentioned, I think, and uh, it does get kind of creepy at times psychedelic in the backgrounds. I like that one boss fight. I forget. I think it was like stage four or something, but like there's like a, uh, a nebula that's like in, at a wavy effect. And then when you beat the boss, it stops waving. I was like, well, why'd they even do that? <laughs> yeah, there's one boss that just runs away. Oh, the dragon. That's right. So there's a dragon. Oh, right. I forget, like, you know, I played this, <laughs> I played through this game an incredible amount of times. I don't care how many yens I went through and nibs and shekels. But for some reason, I can't remember anything about it except <laughs> how wacky some things were. But yeah, there was, there's this dragon boss that you shoot in the neck, and eventually he'll bring his tail in, and he's a pain in the ass. He's definitely one of the more painful ones. I didn't like him at all. There were differences in how these bosses acted between the Japanese version and the European version. The Japanese first boss was really easy to defeat. You defeated him with one electro jolt, 
Whereas in the uh, European version, it took a little bit more. It's still a pretty easy boss, but it did take a little yeah. bit more. And like I said, his final form, that's worth playing the game again just to see that. Because you don't believe me. Yeah, you just stay there and nothing <laughs> happens except he gets tired. And then he said, I'm going to blow up. Yeah. I'm too old for this <laughs> yeah. shit. So there's that wavy thing, which I don't remember what the boss looked like. I do remember that the last boss was very anticlimactic, and I couldn't believe the game was actually over. Yeah, you know, I think in general I felt like the difficulty curve sort of went down as far as the bosses are concerned. Mm. The, the bosses seemed to get a bit easier and less gimmicky. The second last boss I think I got killed by. I don't know if I got killed by the last boss. I think I was able to avoid things. Now, some, some of my things that I avoided were pretty much luck right but your nib on the front can absorb the bullets and in fact some of the, the yeah. weaker enemies you could just run into them and they blow up and that's how i got a lot of my power-ups was just sticking my flint nib on my nose which is the only place you can shove it and running into the enemies there's flashing enemies that normally drop off your power-ups so i ended up doing that a lot and you can even blow up some of the turrets with uh just waiting a little while. Don't rush into the turrets. Also, the ceiling and the floors, you can run into them, so be careful. There's some scaffolding levels. You're in space, but there's scaffolding. So I was like worried about, okay, what would I hit and what won't I hit? That one goes way up and way down, even though you're still traveling horizontally. Yeah, that's another big uh, Gradius gimmick for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I don't know why they stole from Irem. I, I don't know why. Did they have to rush out something because everybody was working on turtles? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I Well, first of all, I'm not even sure they rushed it because, you know, it was a few years after after the big R-type. And, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I think usually these things, you know, a big influential game comes out, but it takes a few years for everybody else to catch up. Or the weirder ones when they come out the same year. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's when they're rushing. Espionage. Sleeping under their desk to finish the, the ripoff. So. Mm. Puckman, Pockyman, Genie 2000. That's it, I think. Well, what do you think about Zexex? Not a huge fan of it, but here's the thing. I am a big fan of horizontal games, and I would say I think Gradius is one of my favorite ones. Of Zexex as much. I don't think it's like in the upper echelon of the Konami shooters. I think it's uh, great if you're an elitist because you kind of get a lot of punishing difficulty. And no matter which regional version you try, I'll try that European version, you do get that health meter that mm -hmm. sort of drains about as fast as an airplane toilet. And now, it's not very fun all the time. That's another thing you just reminded me of. When I looked at the attract screen, your life bar is huge. It's huge. But this is the first game that I saw the attract screen go through the entire first level, including defeating the boss. I've never seen that before. Maybe they'll take you up to the boss. They want to show you that big monster at the end of R-Type, but they're not going to defeat it and watch it blow up. So yeah. that was kind of interesting. But yeah, the, so there must be some type of dip switches that uh, this particular arcade uh, person, what do you call an arcade person? person? Concierge. <laughs> quartermaster? The, yeah, the quartermaster. He didn't have the difficulty set too easy. So you're the right. default is already kind of up there, I'd say. <laughs> yes. It is, however, a well-crafted game. Like I said, the art style is pretty out there. I think uh, even though it, it seems disjointed, I think they, they really kind of knew what they were doing. And so they were playing around with the themes and everything. 
as opposed to like Gradius, which is kind of a little bit more straight sci-fi, Star Wars, Star Trek type stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, like Gradius, what do you think of Salamander and Life Force? They're two extremes, right? And then the middle is XX. So I think Salamander is also pretty pretty fun and good, but obviously more biological in that way. And so in the middle you have XX, which is like kind of both in terms of art art style. Mm. Put it that way. So what do you got to plug, buddy? Right. Okay. Plugs. Yes. Uh, well, uh, as I mentioned uh, up front, uh, of course, I made a game called Blast Rush, and that is a shooter. Uh, that is right now mm. on your phones. You can get that on your Android and your Apple. It is, of course, a one-button uh, wonder, whatever you say. One-button Wii Wii action. <laughs> Pardon. Yeah, Wii Wii action. That's from Konami, uh, by the way. That's a Konami term. I'm not going to tell you what game it's from because we've never mentioned it, but we've often talked about whether or not a game has one button wee wee action. I might have an idea about it, but I won't uh, try and guess and embarrass myself. Okay. Anyway, yeah, the game's called Blast Rush. You can find that. Just go to blastrush.com and get all the information on that. It has a great uh, FM soundtrack, much like ZXX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very pretty, very pretty background. You know what it reminded me of? And uh, I'm not going to go for like some of the galactic dancing type of things that might happen, the patterns, the, you yeah. know, wonderful, wonderful arcade shooting stuff. But it reminded me a lot of a series called Summer Carnival. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I am. Yeah. Oh, you are? Okay. So that's what it reminded me of. I know uh, what you mean. Yeah. For our listeners, Summer Carnival came out each year, began on the Famicom in Japan, and then moved to the PC Engine and the Hudson brought out uh, a couple of these so every year they'd have uh, shooting tournaments and basically it was a a shooter that you tried to rack up points on and it reminds me of that a little of course the graphics are both great pixel art and then i don't know how you did the backgrounds because they're pretty in a modern way thank you first of all i didn't uh, draw all the art but uh, i did uh, have someone do that uh, but yeah, he did a great job as well. Uh, I yeah, I just uh, decided to have parallax layers, just like your good old school console game would. And uh, yeah, he but pulled it off first try. I got to say, very nice to look at. Thank you. Very fun to play, but difficult to master. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is supposed to be as much for beginners and experts as possible at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm I mean, not saying there's risky. anything wrong with that. <laughs> risky move to do but yeah i think uh, if you want infinite bombs like a beginner sort of would struggling a lot you'll love it if you like score attacks and two minute attacks like that caravan carnival stuff you'll, you'll like it as well and if you google blast rush uh you mm-hmm. probably won't get as many pornographic results no you might get a couple as its own seo problems but uh no the uh, the pornographic ones are not part of that there's a scraper that I used to use to make uh, these giant, what do you call things that look like one picture and then you look at it closer, mosaic. So there used to be an application yeah. that created mosaics and you can create really big ones and, and, and beautiful, very detailed ones by putting in just a whole series of different keywords and then we'll go out to the internet and grab photos. There was no keyword that I could ever put in, none, zero keywords I could ever put in that wouldn't have a picture of a baby as part of the mosaic. I could put in weather. And somewhere if I kept looking around and looking around at the squares, there'd be a picture of a baby. It was the weirdest thing. Well, babies and weather have, uh, you know, a a tight association. You've seen Teletubbies, right? Oh, the sun, yeah. 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 I have seen that. 
Mm. And there's nothing wrong with the triangle guy. If you like that type of thing, that's fine. <laughs> Anything else that you want to say before you go, being that I talked the whole episode mostly? First of all, you were great. Don't worry about it. Uh, but no, I have not nothing else big. I am still working on games. Still right now a secret. Well, I got to tell you something. The only thing that I saw missing in Blast Rush, Blast Rush was go! No. Yeah. See, you need a that's voice a in there. You need a voice. You need somebody that's good at saying go and other things that you hear, like Warp Zone and uh, <laughs> Super Meat Boy Forever. So you need to get in touch with that guy. I don't know. He's kind of elitist. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Ray, for joining us. Uh, Ray Walston, everybody, the Scarecrow. Was that was that uh, Ray Walston? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Ray Huberus. Did you know that I called George Gomez, I called him George Lopez? Yeah. Oh, that's an easy mistake. Those are way different guys. First time I interviewed him, I kept saying, don't say Lopez, don't say Lopez, don't say Lopez. And I said, thanks, George Lopez. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was the end of that. But he came back. So how do you know? And it only took eight yeah. years for him to come back. Eight years to forgive me. But thanks for joining us as our industry co-host. Really appreciate it. And thanks for listening to us, everybody. I hope that you like us. Bye-bye. Red lip now, earrings now, high heel now, handbag now. Red lip now, earrings now, high heel now, handbag now.